another school district loses a court battle against employees who refused the jab. Could this set a legal precedent? Could it help you if you lost your job for refusing the clot shot? Let's find out on this special edition of the Doc Washburn Show. Welcome to the Voice of the Resistance with Doc Washburn. We're the show that pushes back against the Uniparty and the deep state and lets you in on the news that traditional talk radio is all too often afraid to talk about. This is episode 376 of the all-new Doc Washburn Show for Wednesday, April 26, 2023. I was fired by one of the biggest radio companies in America, Cumulus Media, simply because I refused their vaccine mandate. This is a really different kind of talk show. We're unmasked, uncensored, and unfiltered. If you'd like to support what we do, go to our website, docwashburn.com. Click on the button that says Become a Patron. Also, please remember to subscribe to our podcast so you don't miss an episode. And make sure you check out our new conservative sports podcast, Red Pill Sports, with my friend Donnie Copeland, which drops Tuesday evenings at 11 p.m. Central. Our guest today is Leslie Manukian, president and founder of Health Freedom Defense Fund, a nonprofit which seeks to rectify health injustice through education, advocacy, and legal challenges to unjust mandates, laws, and policies that undermine our health freedoms and human rights. Their most significant lawsuit so far has been the, pardon me, their most significant lawsuit so far has been Health Freedom Defense Fund et al. versus President Biden et al., which we will discuss momentarily. Ms. Manukian, thank you so much for all you do, and thank you for coming on the Doc Washburn Show. How are you today? I'm fantastic, thank you, and I'm so happy to be with you. Thank you so much. Well, congratulations for making national news again. Before we get to the Biden lawsuit, please tell my listeners what happened in your recent lawsuit decision against the Los Angeles School District. So the Los Angeles School District um, (laughs) doesn't think it's enough to put a 1,000 employees out of work. Um, They actually wanted to force, they literally asked the court to, force the plaintiffs, including my, um, my nonprofit, Health Freedom Defense Fund, and other plaintiffs, individual teachers and electricians and people like this, to pay LAUSD's legal fees. <laughs> they wanted the court to order over $200,000 to us. So they first forced the mandate on the people. Um, we challenged it. We lost the first round, but we're appealing. And then they wanted to ask the court to force us to pay over $200,000 in legal fees. And they misled the court. I think the court saw through what they were doing, and the court denied their motion and said specifically for reasons stated by plaintiffs. So this is a really, um, a really big deal because LAUSD kind of behaves as though it's an elephant and can do anything it wants. And I are, you know, we very much believe that the reason that they were trying to um, motioning for fees is because they wanted to bully us and intimidate us from appealing the decision because we believe that the court made some serious errors and they went forward. Our legal team literally testified to the court in affidavits that they lied, that the LAUSD team lied and the judge denied the motion. So we are absolutely thrilled, absolutely thrilled. Two hundred thousand dollars. Wow. That is fantastic. But but it is, you know, I'm not a lawyer or, or the son of a lawyer, but I, I do talk to lawyers on a regular basis. Isn't it kind of unusual for uh, the defendant in a case that is being heard that, that the, the appeal is ongoing to say, 
by the way, Judge, uh, why don't you give us a couple of hundred thousand dollars legal fees before the appeal is even heard at a higher higher court? Yeah, yeah, that's a ticket. Uh, isn't that kind of strange? It's very strange, and that's why it's. Uh, I mean, I personally believe that it was designed specifically to bully me as the president and founder of Health Freedom Defense Fund and all of those teachers and and employees of the of the um, school district because, of course, they've already lost their jobs. They've yeah. already either been fired or displaced. They can't. They're struggling to put food on the table. They've been forced to make a choice between their conscience and their livelihood and um they're already in a you know in a bit of a um tough situation from an economic standpoint we've got you know rising inflation and it's a horrible situation the economy is stagnant at the at the best and and so then they go and do this well i think they did it because they wanted to intimidate us it was sort of like well if you if you're going to appeal then we're going to do this to you but there's no way in the world that we're going to back down from our appeal because i fully believe that the we will win the appeal and that the court was wrong most people don't know this but when a um when you file a lawsuit against someone the court is responsible to consider um in what's called a motion for judgment on the pleadings the court is required to accept that all that the plaintiffs have, have alleged is true and to draw all reasonable references in their favor. But the court didn't do that. Okay. And the other thing the court is supposed to consider is whether there is any possibility that the plaintiffs would prevail. And the answer to that is yes, of course, there's a possibility we could prevail. But the court ignored that as well. Wow. So these are three very, very legitimate reasons why we are going to win the appeal. But the other thing that's so important is that this lawsuit is about something that affects literally ultimately every American because it's about whether or not you are you have bodily autonomy. Yeah. And you know that's that's the crux of the case. Just so you know, I mean I can unpack it for you, but that's what it's really about and that's why everybody should um should really care about this case because it literally may have to go to the Supreme Court in order to determine whether or not their um ruling from 1905 is what is still in place or more recent jurisprudence was said, which says that you have the right to bodily autonomy, a zone of privacy around you and the right to deny medical um, treatment, even if it might save your life. So that conflicts with some older rulings and that has to be reconciled. So I think we're going to win. And, um, and I think that the judge is going to know that the LAUSD and their attorneys misled the court. And most judges don't take too kindly to being lied to by attorneys on on either side of of an issue. Um, So tell my listeners why Health Freedom Defense Fund versus President Biden was such a big deal. (laughs) Um, No, judges do not take lightly to being misled. And I just have to say, before we move to the the math case, that um, what is so interesting is that well, really concerning is that we've sued the Los Angeles Unified School District twice. In the first instance, we sued them for mandating the, the EUA vaccine, the, the emergency use authorized vaccination. Yeah. Okay. And the day after we sued them, they rescinded their policy. Wow. Okay? Wow. The, the case still had to move through the, um, move through the courts. And so in July of 2021, we filed in March and July of 2021, 
the um, we file all of our briefs with the court, and so does LAUSD. And LAUSD, in its documents that it filed with the court, specifically stated that they do not have a mandate, nor do they intend to issue a mandate for the vaccine. Well, the judge on July 27th said, I'm going to dismiss the case without prejudice, which means you can bring it again because it's no longer ripe. They've rescinded their mandate. There's no longer an issue for me to adjudicate. Okay? So it's moot. It's a moot point is what he's saying at that point. Exactly. But you know what happened 17 days later? They reinstated the mandate. Yes. Oh, my. Yeah, so they essentially lied to the court. And how do we know they lied to the court? Because we refiled a new lawsuit after they mandated the shot. Okay? And we got to, to discovery with them, meaning that we got to go and depose their officials. And do you know what their, their officials testified during deposition? No. That they were that they were literally drafting a mandate in the first half of July of 2021. That's when they submitted all the documentation to the court in the first case, which means they lied to the court. Oh, my goodness. Wow. But discovery yeah. can, can be a pretty interesting uh, process, right? Very much so. Look at what we learned. We learned yeah. that they actually were you know, drafting this. We learned through discovery that they had already determined in April or May of 2021 that there was no longer an emergency. And yet they went in August and mandated the shot. Why in the world would you do that? Uh, sounds like so somebody's yes, on a, the, sounds like sorry, somebody's on a, on a power trip. <laughs> well, I guess, you know, I don't know where the saying comes from or who uttered it, but the measure of a man is how they behave when they think no one's looking. Yeah. Um, I think it also applies to people who think that their power is unlimited. And I think that these people who had the school district think that these lowly employees of the Los Angeles Unified School District are too powerless to do anything. But thankfully, Health Freedom Defense Fund, um, you know, wanted to aid them. And so that's what we're doing. But I think that this is, this is what happened, that they think that they will not ever have their power checked and that they can do whatever they want and no one will ever know. And generally speaking, that is what happens, you know? The, the big shots get away with a lot in this country. Oh, yeah. And we aim to try and correct that. Fantastic, fantastic. We're speaking with Leslie Manukian, president and founder of the Health Freedom Defense Fund. Okay, so um, tell my listeners what the deal is with Health Freedom Defense Fund versus President Biden, because that, that was a huge deal. Yes, it was. So... If we all go back to July of 2021, there was a lot of fear and a lot of frustration. And um, a, um, in uh, January of 2021, the Biden administration had instructed the CDC to issue a travel mask mandate, meaning that anybody who traveled on public transportation that took any money from the government or was interstate had to wear a mask. Okay. Yeah. And this is the first time in history that CDC has ever assumed the authority to intervene into the lives of healthy Americans. The CDC and the statute that authorizes it says specifically that CDC has the power to regulate and disinfect and fumigate animals and articles that are brought into the country or that might be transferred across state lines in order to assure that they are not contaminated or infected with something. But they issued their mask mandate. And I sat there and I thought about it for months and months and months. 
And um, I said to our attorneys, you know, listen, this can't be right. CDC does not have this power or authority. And I had made a documentary film on vaccines called The Greater Good, which people can watch at greatergoodmovie.org. In from 20, 2007 to 2011, it came out in 2011. And one of the things that I learned through doing all the research and making that movie is that CDC is only authorized to make health recommendations. The states have the powers reserved to them to actually issue laws pertaining to health, but CDC can only make recommendations, which is why it makes a recommended childhood vaccination schedule but cannot impose it. And so I just kept thinking to myself, this can't be right. It can't be right that CDC can just literally tell every American who gets on a plane or a bus or a train that you have to wear a mask, which science shows doesn't do what they're purported to do, but also when they have zero evidence that you might be sick or might be a danger to anybody else. And I spoke with our legal team, and they did some research, and they said, you know what, we think, we think you're right. And we all decided that the mask mandate was the tip of the spear, that if the CDC could grab that kind of authority to dictate to individual Americans how they conduct their lives, then there was no limit to CDC's authority. And so we filed suit in July of 2021, and we did not hear until April 18th of 2022 that we had actually successfully challenged it and that the judge agreed with every single thing that we argued, and she vacated the law or the rule that CDC had issued with immediate effect. And so, you know, I'm sure many of your listeners will remember they may have been on a bus or they may have been on a plane when it was announced that you could take your masks off. Literally in flight, people were cheering and singing and, you know, celebrating. (laughs) And um, I have to say it was one of the high high points of my life to just feel that kind of... um, to feel so joyous and excited that liberty and justice had been served. I remember seeing a video of the announcement coming down uh, and a bunch of people in, uh, on a plane taking their masks off and, and a great celebration. Um, that, that's amazing. Well, God bless you for, for bringing uh, that, that lawsuit. Um, and let, let me make sure I understand um, – what uh, what level of court was that decided? I mean, the the government can't appeal it, right? Well, the government is appealing it. Actually, oh my! Um, so you know, so that was, didn't that didn't get all the way to the Supreme as Court. Is required. We filed in district court. Okay. Okay. So basically, the way that the court system works in the United States is that in the federal system, I'm only going to talk about the federal court system, not the state system. Yeah. Because states, states have their own laws. But we filed in federal court because this is a federal rule, right? The CDC is a federal agency, and it issued this rule without the power or authority to issue the rule. And so we sued in um, the Middle District of Florida, which is one of the federal courts in Florida. So every um, state is divided up into districts, and then there's a bunch of – and then – the every the country is divided up into what's called circuits. So you sue in a district court, and then if someone appeals, if either party appeals, they appeal up to the circuit, which encompasses several states. Yeah. So we sued in Florida in the Mill District, and then the DOJ, on behalf of CDC, appealed in the Eleventh Circuit Court of Appeals, which comprised is comprised of Georgia, Alabama, and Florida. And so that's the that's the circuit that we're in. 
And so we had oral argument in January, and DOJ is arguing that it should be overturned. We disagree vehemently, and we will take it to the Supreme Court if we have to. Fantastic. Fantastic. Great job. So in preparing for our interview, I stumbled across a remarkable article of yours over at brownstone.org. To my delight, I discovered it came from your Substack, which is seven more articles you've written. But the first one I read is entitled The Righteous Certitude of the Disease Mitigators. It's written from a painful personal experience you had. Could you please tell my listeners a little bit about this? Sure, Doc. Oh, wow. <clears throat> you know, I had, um, I had been a lifelong um, liberal until I made my movie. And during the process of making my movie, I would talk to um, potential donors. And I live in a very affluent, very liberal-leaning area. And I would go and speak with these people. My team and I would go and we would show them a rough cut of the film and we would talk to them and they would say, hey, um, you know, we'd say, listen, this is a really important issue. The government's not being honest. There's corruption. There's a cover-up. Um, you know, this needs to be exposed. The vaccine makers don't have any liability for their products and all these things. Yeah. And Doc, I was shocked because every single liberal that we presented to sat there stone faced, literally just no emotional reaction. But when we got in front of conservatives (laughs) and the odd chance, they would all say, well, of course the government's lying to you. Well, of course, <laughs> of course the government's corrupt. And, and I was just like, in my head, you know. As a lifelong liberal, you're, you're going, what do you mean, of course? <laughs> <laughs> so it, it, it really changed my whole worldview. And I started to realize that I had been sold a bill of goods, which was, um, you know, an empty bill of goods, which is that, conservatives don't care about the rule of law, that conservatives don't care about human beings, that conservatives don't care about your rights and all these things. And I um, walked away from the Democratic Party and I started thinking for myself. And now I, I don't consider myself a member um, of either party because I think that they're just a way that we are controlled. Yeah. But I'm you know, and I also believe that the whole left-right divide is wrong. I think at the, at, that what should be at the ed, at the left is fascism and socialism and centralized control, and what is at the other end of the spectrum is freedom, individual freedom and responsibility. And I'm at that end. Yeah. <laughs> individual responsibility and freedom. I wouldn't, you know, I don't think it's a party. Um, anyway, the reason I'm sharing this is because what happened was um, a, a local woman that I know. Um, took umbrage at the fact that I had sued our one of the local cities for their mask mandate because I am aware of the science which shows that they don't work. Yep. I also believe that it is inappropriate to dictate that healthy people or that any people dictate what they do, um, how they live their lives. And so I sued. Well, she texted me and reached out. She reached out to me and one of my um, my and my film partner who also was a plaintiff in the case, and she said, I no longer consider you friends, and she wrote all these nasty things. And then she actually um, supported the notion that I was anti-Semitic. Because oh, good our lawsuit, grief. I'm sorry. Yes, and it, it was crazy. I mean, a local city council person in another city said that I was anti-Semitic. Our newspaper suggested this. Um, it was just crazy. And she 
she really attacked me and then she started posting nasty things about me on Facebook and the whole reason that they made the the anti-Semitism claim is because in our lawsuit we said that it's been an international norm, a legal norm since the Nuremberg trials and Nuremberg Code that we don't experiment on human beings which is a fact and they twisted that to be anti-Semitic I mean there's nothing anti-Semitic about it it's actually you know, revering um, the outcome of the Nuremberg trials, the Nuremberg Code, and saying that this is a judicial norm that we should all adhere to. But she just, I mean, she went crazy. She started attacking me. And then I had to sit next to her on the airplane, and I thought, oh, my gosh, maybe this is God's way of giving me an opportunity to try and heal this. And, you know, I'm one of those people who um, I always want to, try and mend something if I possibly can and sure. I want to see the good and I feel like if I have a if I act in good faith then other people will as well and you know what that's not always true doc no there it, are people out there <laughs> go ahead no I was I was just gonna say you know I watched the movie my wife and I did judgment at Nuremberg and I'm pretty sure those trials at Nuremberg the people who were on trial uh, had done horrible things to Jewish people. So, I mean, just saying you're anti-Semitic if you're, you know, going along the, the same lines as the trial at Nuremberg is just, it's, it's, uh, it's counterintuitive. It is. And, you know, what's happening is that they are using, um, they are using labels like anti-vaxxer to undermine people's credibility and smear them and silence them, right? It's a slur. The same with the anti-Semitism is. And they think if they just label you as an anti-Semite, then people will just discount you. They will cancel you. And so, you know, this local newspaper is just truly um, repugnant, their, their behavior. But what ended up happening was I sat next to her and I thought to myself, well, maybe this is an opportunity. And so I said, hey, you know, so-and-so, um, I'm still open to having a conversation with you, if you'd like. Because when she texted me, I wrote back to her and said, you know me. You know me as a person of integrity. You know me as a person who um, who does my homework. You know me as a person who follows um, independent science. Do you not think that I know what I'm doing here? Do you really think that this was a rash move? And she never responded. And then she started posting all this nastiness on Facebook about me. And she blocked me from actually responding to her. So when I'm sitting next to her, I said, you know, listen, I'm still open to talking. I'm still open to that conversation that I offered. And she just looked at me and said, not interested. Absolutely not interested. And I just thought, well, you know what? God was teaching me a lesson, but it was the opposite lesson that I thought. God was teaching me that just because you have good intentions doesn't mean that other people do as well and don't cast your pearls before swine so i was yeah. just like i'm not going to give my energy to someone like her anymore and i wrote that blog because i think all of us have experienced this these people who think they know what they're doing yep they think they know what the science is they think they know what the law is and they are so nasty in their dismissiveness and their dis divisiveness and their righteousness to cancel anyone who disagrees with them. You know, filing a lawsuit is the peaceful way of resolving a disagreement. Sure. It's not a it's not violence. It's not it's not a bad thing. And yet she castigated me as, you know, this this pariah essentially. And wow. so I wrote this blog because I thought it was 
I thought that there were a lot of people who were experiencing it. I have to tell you, I had so many people respond to that. It was incredible. So many comments, so many, um, you know, likes who had said that they had had these same kinds of experiences and they were so appreciative of me giving voice to this because it was, it was horrible. I mean, I sobbed a, a couple of times over a whole thing and then I just thought, you know, they're not worth my time and energy. Wow. Coming up, I'll ask our guest, Leslie Manukian, if she has any advice for people who were fired for refusing the vaccine but haven't sued their former employers yet. All right, let me just say this. If you tried to buy a car recently, you realize you may have a hard time finding what you're looking for. People I know have actually bought vehicles from hundreds of miles away from where they live. That's where Red River Auto comes in. Red River Auto is a big old car dealership in the middle of the USA that believes in freedom, including your freedom to buy a car, truck, van, or SUV the way you want to. You can buy online, and they'll drive it to you, no matter where you are. Red River Auto wants to make your car buying experience as easy and transparent as possible. Red River Auto Group has perfected the online buying process. Just go to redriverauto.com, pick from hundreds of new and used vehicles. You can purchase your vehicle online. If you have any questions, one of Red River's trained experts will help you through the whole process. Red River Auto makes car buying online easy. Your whole car buying process is completely transparent. If you want to buy a car, truck, van, or SUV, order online from the nationwide car dealer that believes in freedom, the dealer that will deliver your vehicle to your front door no matter where you live in the continental USA, RedRiverAuto.com. You will be glad you did. Now, I want to tell you about the best-kept secret in American healthcare. Are you having problems with sinuses and allergies? Are you experiencing dizziness, vertigo, problems with your blood sugar, fibromyalgia, eczema, psoriasis, migraines? Well, the Arkansas Preservical Center might be able to help you even if you don't live in Arkansas. Let me tell you how. Your skull weighs anywhere from 8 to 15 pounds. It rests on the top bone of your spinal column, the atlas, which only weighs 2 ounces. So it's really easy for your atlas to get out of alignment. If it does, your whole spinal column can get kinked up like a chain. When that happens, your central nervous system isn't able to communicate with the rest of your body as it's designed to do. Now, I had severe hay fever for 5 or 6 weeks, Every spring, all my life. When I got my atlas adjusted, the hay fever went away, and it has never come back. Again, if you're suffering from sinus conditions, allergies, vertigo, even migraines, do yourself a favor. Call my friends at the Arkansas Upper Cervical Center, 501-279-2009, for a free consultation. They've helped me. They've helped my wife. They've helped so many people we know. Please call them to see if they can help you. That number again for your free consultation is 501-279-2009. Now, if you're outside central Arkansas, just go to their website, turnmypoweron.com. Click on the tab that says find a doctor near you, and I sure hope you can. Now, as you have probably heard by now, our friend Mike Lindell has a passion to help everyone get the best sleep of your life. And he's done it again. Introducing MyPillow 2.0. MyPillow 2.0 has a brand new temperature regulating technology. 
that keeps you comfortable throughout the night. MyPillow 2.0's new fabric dissipates heat and humidity to create a cooling sensation to maintain a cooler surface temperature. This new fabric technology helps regulate your body temperature through the night by creating a lower surface temperature for a more restful night's sleep. You know, your core body temperature plays a big role in how well you sleep. MyPillow 2.0 was developed to provide a cool surface. It's engineered for comfort. MyPillow 2.0 is available in four loft levels, machine washable and dryable, and there's a 10-year warranty, 60-day money-back guarantee. As a special introductory offer for my listeners, when you buy your new MyPillow 2.0, you get a second one free just by using promo code DWS. Mike also created the best bed sheets ever. They look great. They feel great, which means an even better night's sleep for me, which is crucial for my busy schedule. My wife and I just love sleeping on our Giza Dreams sheets. Now, Mike is offering the best deal on his Giza Dream sheets. Buy a set, get one free. The first night you sleep on these sheets, you'll never want to sleep on anything else again. Mike is making a special offer for my listeners. Buy a set of Giza Dream sheets, get one free, just by using promo code DWS. Now, I'm wearing my new My Slippers moccasins. I had no idea slippers could feel this good. Right now, say big on my slippers, slip-ons and moccasins, close-out sale price at just $25 by using promo code DWS. Not only that, Mike's having the biggest closeout sale ever on his sandals for just $19.98. What makes my slippers different is Mike's exclusive four-layer design that you're not going to find in any other slippers. My slippers' patented layers make them ultra-comfortable, extremely durable, and they help reduce stress on your feet. Wear them anytime, anywhere. Just use promo code DWS. And remember, that doesn't stand for washed-up Democrat politician Debbie Wasserman Schultz. No, no. It stands for Doc Washburn Show, MyPillow.com. Quantities are extremely limited at these amazing prices, so please order now. Just use promo code DWS. Our interview with Leslie Manukian, president and founder of Health Freedom Defense Fund, continues. I hardly ever bring up my personal experiences in an interview, but you're talking about people having similar experiences. Can I tell you what happened to me and you tell me if there are a whole lot of people kind of in the same boat? Please do. Okay, so on August 8th, 2021, the CEO of Cumulus Media announced in a video that she sent out to all the employees that she was angry with those of us who were not vaccinated. And she told us we had two months to get the jab if we wanted to keep our jobs. I filed for religious exemption. A company lawyer sent back a very odd questionnaire, which read like it was written by someone who was really not all that familiar with even the concept of organized religion. I answered everything to the best of my ability. My request was denied. Since they seem to be concerned about unvaccinated employees infecting vaccinated employees, I also offered to keep doing my show from my home studio. They didn't even dignify that request or the response. So as of October 8th, 2021, I was fired after seven years and three months, and they broke their own company policy by not even giving me any severance. A retired lawyer friend told me, it looked like I probably had a pretty good case, but I had to make an EOE application within 180 days, 
and, and I had to get a good lawyer to do it because my chances depended on how my claim was framed. So I spoke to several employment lawyers in the Little Rock, Arkansas area, which is where I live, none of whom seemed to understand why I wanted to proceed or, for that matter, the legal and or constitutional issues involved. So I eventually gave up, and the 180-day window passed. So I guess there's really nothing I could do about my own personal case at this late date. And I'm sorry to have written you a book here. I didn't mean to do War and Peace, but... Do you think there are a lot of people in the USA that had an experience similar to the one I went through? Doc, I think it's unbelievably tragic, but I think millions of people had that experience. And I have to tell you that um, you got bad legal advice. First of all, the CDC issued guidance on July 27th of 2021 instructing that the shots do not stop transmission or infection. Right. Okay. If they don't stop transmission or infection, there is zero public health argument. And what you were told by your employer was wrong. You are not a threat to anybody. It doesn't protect anybody else. It doesn't do anything between other people. At the best, and that's not even actually, I think that's dubious at this point, at the best, it could possibly reduce symptoms. But like I say, this, the most recent science shows that actually any um, protective capacity is eroded within about six to seven months. Yeah. So that's, that's, that's a canard. That's just not accurate. But more importantly, from an ethical and from a constitutional standpoint, each and every one of us has the right to pursue our religious beliefs as we deem fit. It is the, you know, it is the First Amendment um, to the Constitution, and it specifically says that, you know, you have that right to be free of, of religious discrimination, okay? And here's the thing. If you file for a religious exemption, it is illegal for your employer to act as judge and jury or in any way um, try and judge the uh, sincerity of your exemption, but it goes further than that. So they are not allowed to judge. You are entitled to your beliefs. If you want to believe that the sky is covered in pink polka dots, <laughs> you can believe that. And they can't fire you for that. Okay? The other thing is if you apply for a religious exemption, you are allowed. They have to, by law, accommodate you. They have to, unless your exemption impedes your ability to do your job. Yeah. Did it? It didn't impede your ability in any way, did it? No, not at all, because starting in March of 2020, I was doing my uh, live radio show from my home studio anyway, but um, it was just so weird, uh, the, the, the kind of questionnaire that they sent me. Um, you know, uh, I'm pro-life because I'm Christian, and I saw that there was, uh, you know, uh, material from, from aborted fetuses in the, in the vaccine, so I'm like, okay, I'm out, and... One of the questions they asked was, well, who is your spiritual leader? And what does your spiritual leader think about vaccines? And I'm like, uh, spiritual leader? Well, I'm not in a cult. I mean, you know, this is the church yeah. that I go to. I've never spoken to the pastor or elders about vaccines, but they're all pro-life because they're Christians. So, I mean, is this kind of what you're looking for? I mean, it was just, it was just so weird Um like I say, whoever the attorney was that I was talking to at the time, I'm like, have you ever been inside a church? I just, <laughs> I didn't say that, but that's what I was thinking. But the EOE part of it, the 180 days 
statute of limitations, does that mean that somebody who's in the situation that I'm in, I'm trying to not to make this just personal, personal, personal about Doc, but if you get past that 180 day window, does that mean that, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's over. Yeah. I'm not an attorney myself, but I, you know, obviously I have attorneys that I work with and, um, we have done some of these things. You do have to file within the six, the 180 days. But yeah, that's what I thought. State, some states have a longer time, and I'd have to look into that. But in, by and large, you do have to apply within the specified time. And yeah. you know, you're. I'm glad you're sharing your story, Doc, because it's a it's an opportunity for people to understand that they were deceived. Their employers were lying to them, and they were banking on the fact that you would not know that this was your right and that there is that they have no right to actually judge the sincerity of your religious religious beliefs that you can be you don't have to be part of a church or organized religion of any way of any kind you can just have your belief and it doesn't matter if you're if you do belong to a church your view can conflict with the leader your spiritual leader yeah yeah um and it, it doesn't matter. The, the the courts have ruled. So this is why we actually created all these resources, and they're under the research, research resource page on our website at healthfreedomdefense.org that guide you through how to do this. So I hope people will go and avail themselves of those resources because you should you need to be you need to be educated. Yeah. You need to understand what your rights are, and the attorneys, you know, attorneys generally have very narrow areas of focus um, and they're not often um, up to speed on all these things, which is why we created those resources. But, you know, listen, if we don't know what our rights are, we can't exercise them. So I urge everybody to, to learn about what their rights are so that they can actually defend them in the future because um, there are more attacks coming on our rights. They're trying to, you know, in- implement digital currencies oh, yeah. and, vaccine passports and all these things in order to control our behavior and monitor our behavior. And if we don't stand up, we are going to be in an open air digital prison in the not too distant future. Yeah. Um, I know we're out of time. I apologize for taking so long on my personal case. Can I ask you one more question before I let you go? Of course you can. And no apologies because it's such an important issue for all Americans to understand. So, yes, absolutely. Well, I read another compelling article at your Substack entitled Captains of Pharma. It could be different. You discussed the National Childhood Vaccine Injury Act of 1986. I guess sometimes the best of intentions can go awry, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So let me just explain that, that what happened in the late um, 1970s and early 80s was that many children in the United States were being, and in Britain, were being injured, catastrophically injured or killed, brain damaged and killed by the DPT shot, the diphtheria, pertussis, and tetanus vaccine that was being given, okay? It was a whole cell pertussis component, and it was proven to be very, very dangerous. And so what happened was all of these families of injured and um, killed children filed lawsuits. And the pharmaceutical industry had to pay out, in one case it was $18 million back in the early 80s. That's a lot of money. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and um, and there were many, many more who were waiting in the wings to sue. And so the pharmaceutical industry 
said to Congress, if you don't protect us, we're going to stop making vaccines. And um, even though vaccines are not responsible for the declines that we've seen in infectious disease mortality in the United States, in fact, literally published research shows that 89% of the decline in infectious disease mortality is not attributable to vaccines or um, or antibiotics, but to public health measures like getting the sewage out of the streets and getting clean drinking water and refrigerated food and things like that into the cities. Right. That's what changed it all. Um, we've been told that we'd all be dead if we didn't have shots. And so Congress freaked out and Congress obliged and said, we're going to pass the National Childhood Vaccine Injury Act. Now, this act recognizes that vaccines injure and kill some recipients. And it set up a bunch of different programs. One of the things was a vaccine court, which was supposed to be a no-fault, easy path to getting compensated if your child was injured or killed by a shot. And it's funded, There's a. it set up a trust fund that's funded via a 75-cent tax on every vaccine administered in the United States. So a DPT vaccine would have a $2.25 tax on it because it's got diphtheria, tetanus, and pertussis in it. So anyway, they set up this program. Um, they set up the, um, the court system, and they removed liability from the pharmaceutical industry. This court system is no fault, basically. So you can apply to it as, an, as a parent or an individual and then you get paid out through that. But the pharmaceutical industry has no liability, essentially, for their vaccines. Wow. If you have no liability for your products and you're a commercial producer of something, what incentive do you have to make safer products? Well, none whatsoever. I mean, you you took the words right out of my mouth. I, I was just thinking, just as you were saying it, okay, so if they can't be held liable... They have absolutely no incentive whatsoever to try to make their products safer because, you know, uh, well, you know, it takes a few, uh, they got to break a few eggs, make an omelet, and so X amount of people are going to die every year. And I guess they have um, accountants that they, they kind of figure that out, right? Well, it's, it's even worse than that because, yes, there is, they, they do have these people um, who assess what the value of a human life is. There's no doubt about that. But it's worse than that because once they had no liability, they had no incentive to not only make another uh, a safer shot, but they had every incentive to make as many shots as they could. And so what has happened is the vaccine schedule compared to the early 1980s for children in the United States has more than tripled compared to what it was in the 1980s. I was born in 1964. I turned 20 in 1984. There were not tons of people dying all over the country. It was, you know, we didn't have all these health problems that we needed all of these new vaccines. But what happened was they introduced vaccine after vaccine after vaccine. And now, well, back then, a child would get 11 doses of, I believe it was four vaccines in the first year of life in, in 1980 or so. Yeah. And today they will get 27 doses of um, 10 vaccines, if I remember correctly. In the oh first my. year of life. Oh, my. The first year of life. And they will get over 70 shots if they follow the recommended schedule from the CDC before they're 18. And it's over, my oh gosh, what is it, like 60, 50 shots by the sixth birthday. And how many parents in this country have absolutely 
no idea that one or more of those vaccines might be harmful to their little ones. I mean, I'm sure tens of millions of parents have no idea, have no idea that the, the, the vast majority. Yeah. The vast majority. And here's the thing, Doc. People, we are in an epidemic of chronic illness. The most recent CDC stat- statistic is one in 35 children in America have autism. One in 35. That's uh, 3% of all kids. Um, and when you look at um, insurance tables for chronic illnesses, uh, 54% of American school kids have asthma, allergies, learning disabilities, um, diabetes and other things. And if you add in obesity, then it's, it's, it's over 50%. So we're looking at like all these neurological complications, speech delays, learning disabilities, autism. And then you look at all these chronic illnesses like asthma and eczema and allergies and other issues. All those told, more than half of American school kids have some kind of a chronic illness. And as hard as it may be for people to believe, there is good science connecting all of those things to vaccines. That doesn't mean that vaccines are responsible for every single one of those things, but they play a role. There's good science showing that they play a role, and we can't dismiss them offhand. So when I was a kid, I don't know how old you are, but nobody had a peanut allergy when I was a kid. Yeah. Nobody. Nobody, no. Nowadays, nowadays it's, it's rampant. Nobody had asthma. Nowadays, I think it's like one in, forget what the number is, one in nine or ten kids have asthma. One in six kids has a neurological condition of some kind. One in five or six kids. This is an epidemic. And, you know, the most direct and toxic insult to our children is the, the, the vaccination schedule. And people don't realize this, but aluminum is a known neurotoxin. It, is, it causes cognitive impairment in healthy, grown adults. Yeah. We inject it into human infants on the first day of life in the hepatitis B shot. Oh my goodness! So you bring up all this, no risk. yeah, yeah. You bring up all this evidence, and uh, the only thing that the people opposing you can do is make up a word and call you an anti-vaxer. So <laughs> I would recommend you you use this simple phrase that I use on Twitter all the time when somebody starts calling names. Ad hominem tends to betray frustration with inability to construct a persuasive, coherent argument. All they can I do is call you names. Yeah, it's, it's crazy. Leslie Manukian, thank you so much for, for staying on uh, longer than, than, than we agreed on. I really appreciate you. Um, I want to tell everybody to check out your Substack. Uh, it's Leslie spelled with an I-E, and Manukian is M A N. O-O-K-I-A-N. So you type in lesliemanukian.substack.com. And if you can give us the website, too, for Health Freedom Defense, uh, because people need to check out your organization. Yeah, so Health Freedom Defense Fund, you can find it healthfreedomdefense.org. And if I can just say, you know, we appreciate... Um, people signing up for our newsletter. You can also sign up to become a member, which is only a one-time fee of $10. You can donate there and support our work. I haven't only sued the Biden administration once. I've sued three times. Um, the other two cases 
have been stayed because other lawsuits got in front of us, but the merits of them have been upheld. And so essentially, we've sued the Biden administration three times and won. And we've got a huge lawsuit, as I mentioned at the beginning, against the Los Angeles Unified School District. I've also sued Disney and um, uh, Nike over religious discrimination, invasion of privacy. Those cases are in the um, in the courts now, um, and we've got much, much more that we're doing. So, you know, we're super grateful for anybody who wants to support our work in defense of your freedom. Fantastic. Ms. Manukian. God bless you. Uh, thank you so much for all that you do. Uh, and as we say here in the South, y'all come see us. I would love to. Thank you so much, Doc. Great thank, to be with you. Thank you. Godspeed. Appreciate you. Bye-bye. Wow. Did y'all feel that? It just got real up in here. One of the things we try to do here on the Doc Washburn Show is to bring you truths that are suppressed just about everywhere else. And we just saw what they did to Tucker Carlson, right? Now, I have reached out to one of his producers. I'd love to get him on the program. Uh, It would be an honor. I reached out to my buddy, Dan Bongino. I'd love to get him on the program. It would be an honor. You know, as much as I would love to get back on the radio and do daily talk radio, I don't know if God's ever going to open that door. One of the things I can do here on the podcast is not have to worry about don't say this or you're fired. Now, there was a time when I was doing local talk radio for Cumulus Media in Little Rock, Arkansas. There was a time that I was told that if I were to cast any aspersions on the vaccine, I would be fired. So then, as Leslie just pointed out a few minutes ago, July 21st, 2021, Rochelle Walensky, the director of the United States Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, the CDC, announced publicly that the vaccines do not necessarily prevent you from getting COVID or prevent you from spreading it to anybody else. And I remember saying on the radio that day, what would have gotten me fired the day before, but I could say it as of July 21st, 2021, because I was just reporting what the director of the CDC finally publicly admitted. I don't have to worry about that doing this podcast. So would I love to be doing a daily radio talk show? Sure. Could I ever do that without giving up some editorial control? I don't know. I don't know. But by the grace of God, we were able to put together this this podcast, which has over a half a million downloads, in 18 months, and we're so thankful to our our benefactors, our patrons, 
We're so thankful. Because we had no idea getting into this, you know, how it was going to go. Had no idea what to expect. So we're thankful. But sure, I mean, I'd, I'd love to get back into doing a live daily radio show because that's what I did for so many years. And that's what I would still be doing in Little Rock, Arkansas. Uh, if the CEO and board of directors of Cumulus Media had decided to fire everyone who refused to uh, you know, inject themselves with a foreign substance. Well, I take it back. I found out later they didn't fire everybody. Uh, somehow it occurred to them that radio engineers are very, very scarce, very hard to come by radio engineers. So they made a deal with radio engineers who didn't want to get vaccinated. But I guess talk shows are a dime a dozen. That's certainly how they uh, behave. That's certainly how they operate. Anyway, a remarkable interview. And uh, Leslie Manukian, I believe, is doing God's work here on this earth, she and her organization. Now, you may have heard recently, AT&T lost a lot of money on Wall Street, billions, as a matter of fact, after their satellite outfit, DirecTV, decided to delete Newsmax. If you want to drop AT&T or any of the big liberal cell phone carriers, I have the perfect solution for you. Patriot Mobile is America's only Christian conservative wireless carrier. Now more than ever, it's important to band together and support companies that share our conservative values. Patriot Mobile donates a portion of every dollar earned to organizations that fight for causes you care about. Patriot Mobile has exceptional nationwide coverage and uses the same towers the main carriers use, and Patriot Mobile guarantees your coverage. Now, I know what you're thinking. Oh, I've been with this cell phone carrier for 20 years, and it would just be too complicated, too time-consuming to change. Look, it usually only takes like 15 or 20 minutes, usually pretty easy. It's worth checking out because Patreon Mobile has plans to fit any budget, along with great discounts for our veterans and first responder heroes, as well as multi-line users. I know I'm saving a lot of money with Patreon Mobile. When you switch to Patreon Mobile, you're shifting your support from the leftist progressive agendas of Big Mobile to the Christian conservative causes of Patreon Mobile. When you become a Patreon Mobile member, your dollars are helping to fund our God-given right to freedom. A portion of every dollar they earn is given back to the causes that support organizations that fight for First Amendment religious freedom, freedom of speech, Second Amendment right to bear arms, sanctity of life, and the needs of our veterans and first responders. Switching is easy. Just do what I did. Go to PatriotMobile.com or call their U.S.-based customer service team at 972-PATRIOT. Make sure you use promo code DOC, that's D-O-C, for free activation. Now, the great Ronald Reagan once said, Inflation is as violent as a mugger, as frightening as an armed robber, and as deadly as a hitman. Have you thought about the benefits of investing in precious metals? Here are five profound benefits. Number one, investing in precious metals is a hedge against inflation. Number two, 
It's a great way to diversify your portfolio. Number three, asset liquidity. Number four, precious metals tend to be a store of value. That means precious metals are an asset, commodity, or currency that maintain their value without depreciating over the long haul. And last but not least, number five, precious metals can be a hedge against geopolitical uncertainty and the struggling U.S. dollar. So we're honored to join forces with Beverly Hills Precious Metals and its owner, Andrew Sorcini. Andrew has been involved in gold and silver for over 40 years. Andrew Sorcini and his team at Beverly Hills Precious Metals know the gold and silver business inside and out. After many years in the markets and collecting precious metals privately, Andrew opened Beverly Hills Precious Metals in 2010 to bring precious metals to the homes of everyday American citizens. Now, we found out about Andrew Sorcini and Beverly Hills Precious Metals from General Michael Flynn, and we're glad we did. Andrew is a frequent guest on conservative podcasts. Beverly Hills Precious Metals is our gold buyer of choice. To learn more about Andrew and his team, go to bh-pm.com. The BH stands for Beverly Hills. The PM stands for Precious Metals, bh-pm.com. Now, if you can't remember that, just Google Beverly Hills Precious Metals. No matter what search engine you use, it's the first thing that comes up. Make sure you ask about the General Mike Flynn Silver Coin and let them know Doc Washburn sent you. We're honored to be able to tell you about Beverly Hills Precious Metals in an effort to help you in your attempts to protect your family's finances, wealth, and investments. bh-pm.com or Google Beverly Hills Precious Metals and tell them Doc Washburn sent you. All right, it's that time again. Hit it, Brian. We interrupt this program to bring you a special report. It's the Doc Washburn Show Tweet of the Day. Brought to you by RedRiverAuto.com. Red River Auto, big old car dealership in the middle of the USA that believes in freedom, including your freedom to buy the car, truck, van, or SUV of your choice the way you want to online and have it delivered to your front door anywhere in the continental USA. So, this guy I follow on Twitter, because this tweet of the day, calls himself Richard. His uh, handle on Twitter is R-I-C-W-E-1-2-3. And he's got a clip of a recent interview with Tucker Carlson. And I'll tell you what Richard says about this clip after I play you this mind-blowing audio of Tucker Carlson. And, you know, you just wonder if this is one of the things that made Rupert Murdoch want to make the personal decision to fire this man. I've spent my whole life in the media. My dad was in the media. Like, that is a big part of the revelation that's changed my life is the media are part of the control apparatus. Like, there's no... Yeah, I know, I know, because you're younger and smarter, and you're like, yeah. Yeah. But what if you're me, and you spent your whole life in that world? And to look around, and all of a sudden, you're like, oh, wow. Not only are they part of the problem, but I spent most of my life being part of the problem, defending the Iraq war. Like, I actually did that. Can you imagine if you did that? Well, what do you think, what is one of your biggest regrets in your career? Oh, defending the Iraq war. That is it? Well, I've had a million regrets, not being more skeptical, 
calling people names when I should have listened to what they were saying. Look, when you when someone makes a claim, there's only one question that's important at the very beginning, which is, is the claim true or not? Mm. So I say, you know, you committed murder or you rigged the last election before you attack me as a crazy person for saying that. Maybe you should explain whether you did it or not. You right. know what I mean? Yeah. And for too long, I participated in the culture where I was like, anyone who thinks outside these pre-prescribed lanes is crazy. Is a conspiracy theorist. And I just really regret that. I'm ashamed that I did that. And and partly it was age, partly it was the world that I grew up in. So when you when you look at me and you're like, yeah, of course they're part of the means of control. I'm like, that's obvious to you because you're 28, but I just didn't see it at all, at all. And I'm ashamed of that. Isn't that what the media tries to do, though? It, it's their only purpose. Right. They're not here to inform you. Really? Even on the big things that really matter, like the economy and war and COVID and like things that really matter that will affect you. No, their job is not to inform you. They are working for the small group of people who actually run the world. They're their servants. They're their Praetorian Guard. And we should treat them with maximum contempt because they have earned it. Now, notice he didn't say, except for the news department here at Fox News, you know, the straight news reporters that come on the daytime. He didn't. He made, he made no exception there. So here's the caption that Richard, the guy who tweeted out, the video of the audio I just played you by Tucker Carlson. Here's what Richard said, the caption on this tweet. He said, when you tear out a man's tongue, you're not proving him a liar. You're only telling the world that you fear what he might say. A very pointed message to Rupert Murdoch and the gang at Fox News Channel, I would say. So I'm going to tell you something that I did today. I was flipping around on the... Uh, the cable news. Fox News had the story about the senior guy who went into the high school locker room, got into the showers at 18 years old with four 14-year-old girls and saying, hey, I'm transgender. Well, he's a guy. And the girls are horrified. That's a story that's out there. I don't know if you have heard about it or not, but Sandra Smith of Fox News is calling this guy she and her, even though it's a guy. So she's been giving her marching orders. Do you think Sandra Smith would have called a guy a girl 10 years ago? No, of course not. But she's under orders working for Fox News. You see, when it came to talking about people like the swimmer William Thomas, who calls himself Leah and exposes himself to women in the locker room. Tucker wouldn't say biological male, uh, trans woman. He just called him a guy. So that's probably one of the things that really upsets management and owners at Fox News because if you have the guts to say the emperor is wearing no clothes, that's just not going to go over. You know? No, 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 no. You got to call this big six foot four guy who hasn't had any kind of surgery, got to call him she. So I'm thinking, you know, a lot of people are leaving Fox for Newsmax because Fox just fired Tucker. So I switch over to Newsmax. And this John Bachman guy also 
is calling a guy she. Why? Obviously, he's under orders too. You think John Bachman would have called a man a woman 10 years ago? Of course not. And Newsmax is supposed to be the alternative to Fox. I guess they're not. I mean, don't get me wrong. Oh, they're pushing hot and heavy. Fox did this and Fox did that because they fired uh, Tucker. And, you know, I can't blame them for that. But are they any better if they're sitting there calling a man a woman? That's something I'll never do. So it's interesting because you don't have to have a TV show anymore to get the word out to a lot of people. And that's what we will continue trying to do here on the Doc Washburn Show. By the grace of God, day by day. And, you know, and maybe I'll never be back on talk radio. Maybe I'll never be on television. I don't know. I don't know. God opens doors. God closes doors. But what I do know is that I plan to keep doing this as long as he gives me breath because this is what I know how to do. I don't know how to change the oil in the car. I'm mechanically challenged. I'm technologically challenged. But apparently I know how to, I used to say talk on the radio. Apparently I know how to do a talk show and talk about things that matter to people. So I appreciate you listening in. You've been listening to episode 376 of the all-new Doc Washburn Show. The views and opinions expressed on the Doc Washburn Show do not necessarily reflect those of our advertisers, but they love us and we love them. If you have any questions for us, email us at contact at docwashburnshow.com. Today's program has been produced by Tim Terrible, directed by Mick Messy. This has been a Terribly Messy production. Portions of today's show will be taken overseas and dropped. If you like a transcript of today's episode of the all-new Doc Washburn Show, simply peel the roof off a Rolls-Royce panel truck and send it to Mansour's Computer Solutions, 7th floor of the Ephemeral B. Smoot Building, Whitehall, Arkansas, in care of Sheriff Mansour Sempier X, Senior Vice President, Engineering, IT, and Interoperability for the Doc Washburn Show. And that's the way it is. Wednesday, April 26th, 2023.